Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Shields Up, a DC Defenders podcast. Hey, John, how are you? Good, Lev. How you doing? Doing well, man. Excited to do the podcast. Um, I was thinking, how about you give the listeners sort of an introduction to who we are and, and why we're doing this? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so as you all heard from the introduction, my name is John, and along with Lament, uh, we are lawyers in, based in Washington, D.C., uh, so lawyers by day and apparently also uh, amateur podcasters by day now, too. Um, but we're huge sports fans in general. Um, I was born in Tampa, but really grew up in the D.C. area. So uh, we're just, you know, all in on the XFL. We're excited for the new opportunities uh, for football in D.C. And it looks like essentially have a winning team this year. And we're also season ticket holders to the D.C. Defenders now. Um, some would even call us lifelong fans. <laughs> so... <laughs> So ex- excited to be talking to everyone and more so just to be covering the team. I mean, um, I think we all really enjoyed that first game and, and are excited for the XFL to hopefully succeed. So um, looking forward to putting together the show and, and talking about uh, everything that happens on a weekly basis. Okay, man. So how about we talk a little bit about what we want to do with this podcast and, and why we think people will enjoy listening in? Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, so obviously, you know, the goal, as the, the title suggests, where it's defenders focused. Uh, however, we, we did, you know, discuss getting together uh, at least once a week to recap last week's action around and discuss news and updates around the league. Uh, also wanted to, you know, just touch on trends in viewership and attendance, unique aspects of the league and how the rule changes are um, being implemented and how that's working out. And also just how the league is developing in general and things we'd like to see moving forward. Uh, that said, you know, the structure is pretty loose and still developing. So uh, we would love to hear, you know, listener input. Um, uh, what you know, we, what we can do better, kind of what other topics you guys think uh, is worth discussing. And to do that, we've set up uh, several social media avenues for you guys to reach out to us. Uh, the easiest is going to be just following us on Twitter. We're going to be at Shields Up Cast. Uh, so just send us a tweet or send us a direct message if you have any input or any thoughts. Along the way, we'll also be putting together polls to have a lot of you guys' input on on ideas for the podcast and on DC Defense. We've also set up an email account so you guys can send us a message at shieldsuppodcast at mail.com. And finally, we're on Reddit because that's where, that's where a lot of the ideas <laughs> grew. So um, our username there is going to be shieldsuppodcast as well. So on Twitter, we're shieldsuppodcast. For email, we're shieldsuppodcast at mail.com. And for Reddit, our username is shieldsuppodcast. We look forward to hearing from you guys. That's where a lot of the original... Uh... Fan, uh, fan base uh, nicknames came up, isn't it? <laughs> exactly, exactly. So guys, as we mentioned at the beginning of the show, we're season ticket holders to the DC Defenders, um, and we went to the game, to game one, against the Seattle Dragons last Saturday. And we had really an amazing experience. So we kind of want to share our thoughts from that game with you guys. Um, talk about why we are so excited about this team and why we really think this league can succeed. Um, and give you guys sort of a preview of what you're going to get at a DC Defenders game. So, John, overall, what were your thoughts from last Saturday? Yeah, I'd say definitely far exceeded expectations. I think, like most people, didn't really know what to expect, uh, both with the quality of play and just kind of how the vibe would be um, at Audi Field. Uh, I do got, I have to say, I think it is the perfect venue for XFL football. Oh, it's uh, incredible, it was, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
over 17,000 in attendance feels different than it would uh, for, you know, an NFL stadium. I think some of the other XFL teams like the Vipers and Guardians are playing the NFL size stadium. So I think that is going to be a huge home field advantage for the DC uh, defenders moving forward, especially with the, how raucous that crowd can get. Yeah. And I, and I have to, at that game were incredible. I mean, I was a little bit worried about where our tickets were. We're right behind the end zone um, over on section 118. And when I was looking at the layout, you know, I've been to some Redskins games before at FedEx Field, and I didn't feel like that same area gave me as good as a view of the field. But here, because it's so vertical, the seats really allow you to see everything that's happening from anywhere you are. And I've talked with people who spoke, uh, who sat in other areas of the stadium as well, even corner areas, and they said that they had an excellent view. So it's a really immersive stadium, and I think it's a great, great choice. Yeah, and you really saw the fans, I mean, from the get-go embrace it. Uh, the, the foam shields were definitely a nice touch uh, handing us oh, out yeah. before the game. Um, I think you even have some folks uh, trying to be the unofficial mascot. I saw some, uh, some body paint, things like that. Yeah, we had someone dressed as a knight, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, so already have an unofficial mascot, which is awesome. Although we didn't have anyone who was eating Kraft cheese packets, um, (laughs) which it seems like was happening at some of the other fields. So I know that that was a big big meme online. Yeah. But we had a great fan base. Yeah, it's great. And, you know, in D.C. sports, I mean, they they really seem like they've come to embrace the team right away. Um, You know, D.C.'s kind of used to having championship championship contenders now, Um, you know, Coming off a Nats yeah. win, uh, oh, yeah. not, not too far removed from a Capitals um, Stanley Cup, you know, with Redskins kind of in, re- in seem- seeming to be in constant rebuilding mode, it could be a great opportunity to kind of embed uh, the XFL into the DC sports landscape right away. Oh yeah, the city's hungry for some for some good football, for some high quality football. You know, even if it's at a lower level league, as long as the competition is fun and the team. Uh, is giving it its all week in and week out. I think that the city is going to embrace them and and look for another title because football's the the next one up, right? Yeah, and I gotta say, you know, for one of my main concerns was quality of play, and I mean, considering the fact that you know, I think there were some scrimmages down in Houston when all the teams were practicing together, but all these folks yeah. coming together really with only a few months to really get together a full game plan, I was very uh, very pleasantly surprised. I really am the Saturday uh, slate of games. The D.C. Defenders and uh, Houston Roughnecks really seem to, to click early on and be able to put up a lot of points. I think the Sunday games were a little bit lower scoring. Um, but I think you yeah. kind of expect the point totals to rise as teams kind of mesh together, and especially the offenses get in sync. Exactly. And, and I will say, I think um, compared to the AAF, the XFL has done a great job with at least getting teams a bit on sync by having a preseason and having those scrimmages that they had before, before week one. Um, but that doesn't mean that it can't get better. And, and I think as, as much as we enjoyed what we were seeing on the field, there's definitely areas to improve. Mm-hmm. And uh, I expect that to happen as, as we go forward. But I think the main takeaway that we can say at this point is that we, we had a great time watching the game and we really enjoyed being there. So we think that there's a lot of potential. Oh, Definitely. So, John, I think one thing that we should talk about is um, really how how much the fans were into it at Audi Field because we had an amazing atmosphere early on. Um, I think that that's really what made us happy being there. You know, uh, uh, I think a, a little bit into the game, we actually got a wave going that, that went for a good, 
I would say about five to six rounds. Is that correct? Around oh, the stadiums? I, think, I think, yeah. yeah. That's, being, that's a conservative estimate right there. Just... Yeah, <laughs> there, there were a lot more tries um, to get it started at first. So it may have felt a bit longer for the people who were um, over in our section. We were a couple of sections down from, from the section that was actually getting it going. I mean, kudos to them for, for being persistent because it really paid off. And, and it was so cool to see that from game one. I mean, we're all coming together for a team that we've never watched before in person. And you know, for a brand new league and to see that many people get into it and, and really show that they were excited was amazing. And I have to say, you know, um, at first I thought they were really gimmicky when we saw them, those foam shields that they were handing out at the entrance, but they were hit, man. I mean, people were raising them up and, you know, they were banging on them when we were on defense. So I thought that that was pretty neat overall. Um, did you have any specific thoughts on what the fans really brought to the table? Yeah, you know, I'm for me, the one of the things that's most striking is just the chance. I mean, you got, uh, we had the first uh, course of MVP chance in the XFL. Oh yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Before the game even started. I think. <laughs> Before the game started. And I think after every third down conversion, uh, Cardinal, yeah. must, you must've heard uh, the, the fans uh, chain MVP. Um, also the go for three chain, which is, I think was pretty spontaneous um, on the first defender's touchdown. It's also great. But they were loud. Yeah, and you know, I don't think we saw a three-point uh, attempt yet. So hopefully, uh, DC will be the first one to attempt that. We haven't, but hopefully, you know, maybe that chant will get the team going. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I think even ESPN uh, and a few other national analysts had made note of the defenders' uh, fans. So you know, we're it's it's not all for naught. You know, it's, it definitely was noticed and uh, picked up on a lot. Yeah, and you know, speaking of uh, of some of the broadcast stations, what do you think they could have done at Audi Field a little bit better? Because I know that when we went back home later and saw some of these broadcasts, that they had a lot of players and coaches mic'd up, um, but we didn't really get that experience at Audi Field, and, and I think we could we could really benefit from hearing those as fans. Now, obviously, it's game one; there's going to be growing pains, um, but that's one of the really exciting things that the league brings. Um, brings to the table for fans to be able to experience what's actually going on. Uh, so what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. And, you know, obviously with the, with the coaches comms, you're not going to broadcast that uh, yeah. on the field, but you know, some of the things that I, that, you know, I think one of the things that fans really enjoyed was the replay official and kind of seeing that review process play exactly. out. I don't think there's a, a hindrance in why we can't have that, that present on the field, you know, had that audio being broadcasted in the video on the, the Jumbotron. Um, and another one is the, is the interviews, right? Yeah. You know, and one thing that struck me was, you know, it's, it's a one-on-one interview, but if you, if you had the crowd listening in and cheering, you might get some booze if it's an opposing player, but you know, that just gets another yeah. layer of fan interaction, especially if it's a home field player, you know, scoring a touchdown game, the crowd even more fired up speaking directly to the fans during the game. I think that'd be a unique experience. Um, obviously, maybe you don't want that all the time, but I think that's something that's just another way to bring the fans uh, closer in uh, in real time. Yeah. And um, actually, that reminds me, we, we missed one of the best plays of the game, uh, that, that punt block that, that we were able to convert to a touchdown. I mean, that, that really got the, the crowd hyped up and we lived up to the defender's name, but we didn't see it, John. So why was that? <laughs> yeah, so we... Uh... You know, trying to get ahead of the crowd and getting some <laughs> some food, um, we went and we you know we did a quick tour around. Saw there was a little you know limited vendors, but we went in line to get. Um, I'm bringing on the, the name of it off the top of my head, but you know, went in line to get chicken tenders. I think it was a smokehouse. Smoke, yeah, that's yeah. that sounds right. And 
wait in line for, I think, right until the, near the end of the half, unfortunately. So we, we missed a good amount of the action there. We missed that touchdown, but um, it's that that's, you know, one of the things that I think you know, moving forward and you know, maybe they didn't account for the, the sheer volume of folks that would be there. Um, but I think definitely uh, sp- spreading out you know, more vendors, more options, um, and just being able to handle uh, the traffic, the foot traffic a little bit uh, better would, would be you know, something to look forward to in game two. And it's, it's one of the complaints that I've really seen online um, people talking about because there's very few uh, things that people were unhappy with. But I honestly think we made the right call by trying to beat the line and going in in the second quarter. We just didn't think that it was going to be such a long line. And uh, that, that place that we went to had one of the shorter ones, and it still ended up being about an uh, eight-minute of game time wait. I don't know how much it was overall, but we missed a significant part of the action, and, and that was unfortunate because we really wanted to be a part of it. We thought that we would just you know grab a quick hot dog or something and make our way back to the seats. So... I'd like to see them maybe open up some more vendor locations going forward. I mean, we saw that a few of them were closed. Like you said, they probably didn't anticipate it to be such a hit. I mean, we had um, 17,000 fans there. I think it was 17,300 or, or along those lines. So Yeah, and um, sir, believe it or not, that was the – I think that was the pace for the league. I mean, in all of the you know the cities, it, it, really, it really took off. Um, they had really good attendance rates. Um, I think one thing that obviously will be worth checking is – uh, with the AAF, you saw ratings and attendance just crater in week two. So I think projecting ahead to week two and kind of seeing if we can keep that up. Um, it's good for DC to have two home games in a row and kind of keep them, that momentum going. But you know, we'll, we'll see how it translates. Exactly. But a worry is that, that tomorrow it's supposed to be pretty cold. So I hope that doesn't turn too many fans away. I mean, keep those numbers going strong, I think. I think that's going to be great for the league. And, and I know that some of the other games that are going to be happening have, have a lot of, uh, I think St. Louis has a crazy number of tickets sold. So uh, yeah, that's cool. going to be great they're, they're for the starts league. for football yeah. as well. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, and I think one last thing that I would like to note on Audi Field that, that I really, really loved is just the uh, immersive experience overall. Because we talked earlier about how um, – the viewing angles were really great and how fans really felt like they were a part of the game. But that also translated from the players too, because a lot of them were interacting with fans and, you know, they were pointing and shouting. I mean, you see a lot of that in the NFL too, after touchdowns or big plays, but here it was much closer. And I think what we saw from the players is they were really excited to be there, man. I mean, they were enjoying it. They were having a great time. They just wanted to play football. So I I really thought that that was a cool aspect. Yeah, definitely. John, the broadcasts were, I, I would say, a, a big success for this league. I think that's what's really setting the XFL apart from what the AAF did. A little wrong. I mean, it didn't look like it was as much of a polished product back then. But now with the XFL having so many big-name broadcast partners, I think that when we went home and we watched some of the other games and, and saw replays from the, from the game we were at, we thought that it was pretty impressive. You know, we, we talked a little bit about the on-field interviews that were being done and being able to listen in on the communications. But what did you think overall really looks like it's going to set this league apart? Yeah, and I think that's the you know, the value add you have with someone like Vince McMahon who understands entertainment, understands oh, yeah. that these distribution channels are really critical to keeping ratings um, high. Uh, I think I, each game had at least 3 million viewers at some point, which is pretty remarkable for, for a you know, startup league. I'd love to see, you know, the trends on kind of where those ratings go. I thought that 
you know, the XFL, one of the things they preached was shorter game time. I don't think they hit their benchmarks for you know, the length of game. I think they went a little over. They um, definitely didn't at the DC Defenders game. I know that they're pushing for uh, three hours, um, but um, I don't know that they were able to achieve that for the first two games of the um, but the Sunday games may have been a little bit under three hours. And, you know, that's going to be a little rough around the edges early on. I'm sure that they're going to get better at hitting that goal later. Uh, but overall, I think even if they didn't hit that is the full time for the game experience, it felt a lot more fast paced just because they added in those those little communications and the little interviews in between. Fans always felt like they were getting something and not seeing ads. Yeah. And, you know, you really get the sense that there's a vision for the league. It's It's going to be more transparent. It's it's predicated on common sense rule changes. And I think really what they're trying to do is craft like genuine affection for the team itself. You know, it, a lot of the players, position players in particular, fans aren't as familiar with. We've got some big name quarterbacks and luckily DC has one in Cardell Jones, but a lot of these players, you know, they're on, on some sort of either redemption tour. They're trying to make a name for themselves. And I think, that, you know, that's going to be important is getting that connection with the players, but also just building that team affinity because we're, it's unclear, you know, what the roster construction will be in years to come, but really in terms of getting the fans behind a team, I think getting, you know, you know the team name itself out there is going to be, be big. And I agree. I mean, I think that's one of the key components here and what's really going to make this league succeed is if you're a fan of the of the team, not as much as the players. I mean, people are really excited to see those see some of those players. You may have seen that in Ohio they had some of the strongest viewership numbers. <laughs> um, so... You know, that makes sense, of course, with Cardell Jones on the defenders. And, you know, I hope down the road, if XFL decides to expand, that's the venue that they target. Um, but overall, I think fan support was pretty strong. We saw, you know, like we've talked about it, 17,000 minimum uh, per stadium for the games. Uh, I think we may see some more fans this weekend. So that's going to be exciting to see. And yeah. I think another thing is... The merchandise, uh, the merchandise sale, man. I mean, that was a hit. So, uh, what did we see there? Yeah, I was going to say. Uh, I think within a few hours after the DC Defenders game, it was a lot of uh, items were sold out. Um, I actually was yeah. trying to get one of those knit hats, and I, I noticed I put it in my cart. Went back a few minutes later, and it was already sold out. So, um, oh, man. folks, definitely, yeah, definitely, I uh, took to the merchandise. Um, I think it's great. You know, you saw a lot of folks wear rocking red. There's a lot of capitals and that's attire. I think basic... which makes sense, of course. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know, folks trying to support the team um, and didn't didn't have a chance to be on the merchandise for week one. I think you'll see a lot more defenders attire uh, moving forward now. Yeah, I had my Nats gear on, and um, I have a pretty warm Nats jacket, which I loved wearing. But there was a nice DC Defenders jacket they were selling at the game. And, you know, with season ticket holders, you get a 25% off discount from merchandise sales. So I said, well, I'll go home and order this. And I log on and I see that, well, they're not selling the jacket. And, like, the longer sleeve shirts that they had, like the thermal shirts, they were pulled out. Um, and the more and more I was visiting the website, the more and more things were out of stock. So um, it's, it's exciting to see that fans are really embracing it and wanting to get their DC Defenders gear. I was able to snag a jersey and, and one of those, you know, beanie hats that you talked about. But there's a lot of stuff that I wanted to get that, that they just didn't have. And even at the game, we saw that, you know, the racks were almost completely empty. They only had, I believe, extra small and small left in sizes. Medium and up, uh, medium and up was all sold out. So yeah, um, yeah. it's good to see that fans are really, are really into it. Yeah, and, you know, it really 
really took up a lot of the weekend. I think folks were you know, interested to see how it would compete with some of the other. I think there was a few NBA games on college basketballs going on. Um, but on Twitter also, you know, it's trending at some point. Um, seemed like the fans were very receptive to the kickoff. I've seen tons of replays of oh, folks yeah. and mm-hmm. tweets of folks uh, really, really enjoying the, the kickoff and kind of how that's kind of returned to the game um, without all the touchbacks and kind of, you know, well, keeping player safety of focus, but also it's, it's unique. We haven't seen that kind of dead ball kickoff before or no one's allowed to move until um, the returner catches the fields, the ball. So it kind of creates a lot of anticipation that I'm not sure if they intended that, but that's definitely something I noticed was that collective hush of the crowd before the, the returner fields, the ball and starts um, play resumes. One thing that really impressed me was that fans knew to wait for that ball to be caught <laughs> because, you know, in the NFL, we're so used to starting, <laughs> starting our screams as soon as, as soon as the ball is kicked, but here they knew to wait for the ball to drop. And then that's when, you know, the snap happens and, and when the action begins. So that was pretty neat to see how people were in tune with all of the new rules that had been added. And overall, I think we, uh, we should touch a little bit on how some of those rule changes looked, how, how we appreciated them. We saw a one-handed catch in the DC Defenders uh, Seattle Dragons game. And, uh, you know, there were definitely some people who were like, what's going on here? You know, uh, how exactly does it work? A lot of us were still getting used to the new rules that were added. We saw the kick that fell short, right? (laughs) We were able to start from the opposition 45-yard line. That was huge. That's critical to get points before the half. It just kind of shows you, I mean, how special teams somewhat of a reduced role without the extra point. And, you know, they're trying to disincentivize uh, punting and things of that nature, but still can have a critical impact, um, especially, you know, late game situations where if you're starting in plus territory on your opponent's side of the field, I mean, really just get a first down. You can able you can tackle on three points, which, you know, really helps get momentum in our favor. Exactly. And when you know that they took out the points after touchdown, um, just being one extra point for, for a field goal kick, uh, you started thinking, well, you know, will kickers be as valuable but I thought that this was just an incredible way to turn it around and make that position key because it determines field position and that, that could lead goal um, at halftime. Right. So uh, it's going to be exciting to see how that position is utilized. Um, I think going back to the, to the PATs and um, some of the other changes we've seen, uh, we didn't get to see any overtime play. We didn't get to see any going for three but I'm sure we'll start seeing those in the, in the coming weeks. And then there was one, one thing the fans were really hoping for, the double forward pass. Do you think we'll see any of, any of those soon? Yeah, I, I think a lot of folks were, you know, when they were anticipating what the league would look like, they were expecting a lot more trick plays. Um, you know, yeah. a lot of the, the coaches, you know, very well-established, good track record. Um, they might be coaching for a different position, you know, in a different league down the road. But I think you got the sense that it's very well-coached and it wasn't going to be a gimmick of, let's see – how many times you can throw a double pass or how many times you can go for three every time we score. So you saw a lot of really methodical game plan. Um, I think the DC defenders that, that trick play um, the touchdown pass to Lee uh, at the start of the third quarter, that was, that close was a great to the, play. but you know, for him, you know, that was as close as you got to a, to a trick play um, all weekend, at least from what I saw. So you might see that being utilized more going forward, but um, yeah, like you said, some of the rules you didn't see in action right away. Um, kickoff was from quite literally the first play. Um, so we'll you'll kind of have to see and see how that uh, that overtime structure, that shootout uh, works will be really interesting to see. Um, I think they're going to have that similar anticipation. 
Yeah. And with as much as we've gotten already, I think that shows that there's still something to be excited for, and there's still a lot that this league is, league is going to bring to the table. Um, but overall, I think the rule changes are definitely a positive. We felt like it was a much faster-paced game. We enjoyed the, the product that we were watching, and that's really what's going to set this league apart. New York Guardians at DC Defenders, you know, turning ahead to week two, I think uh, one thing that we can look forward to is, is that game is going to be incredible. Both of these teams showed that they were competitive. I think that, you know, early on, based on what we saw week one, these are two teams that are going to be uh, hopefully competing until the end of the season. Um, and, you know, they, they seem like they both fielded a, a decent offense and defense. So what are your thoughts going into this game and what do you think we can expect to see? Yeah, you know, I, I think it's going to be a definitely competitive game. Um, one thing I did note with, you know, watching the Guardians, I was able to watch the Guardians play um, the Timbay Vipers, which mm-hmm. was actually the first upset of the XFL. Vipers were actually a road favorite. Uh, I think a lot of people's preseason number one, but really um, had a disappointing performance. Oh, yeah, they, um, were you, very, you, they seemed very disappointing based on the expectations that were sort of set for that team. Yeah, and, you know, part of that, you know, they have Aaron Murray, who's a pretty renowned college quarterback at Georgia, or at least a lot of name recognition there. So that might have, and Mark Trustman is coach, that might have been driving a lot of the initial buzz. Um, but again, if you, the, the final score of 23 to 3, I think, is a little misleading. Um, mm-hmm. Vipers actually did have just under 400 yards of offense. So I think for folks expecting that the you know, Guardians might be one of the more elite defenses, I'm not sure that that really is borne out, at least from game one. Uh, you had, I think, three total turnovers for the Vipers, and then uh, getting stopped on, you know, on downs trying to score late in the game uh, near the goal line. So, yeah, I, their red zone game just wasn't there. Yeah, exactly. And I, you know, it's it's interesting. You know, the Guardians also only had 226 yards of total offense and one for 10 on third down. Yet they really seemed yeah. to <laughs> control the game. So I think it's one of those situations where the game flow kind of dictated what they needed to do. But you know, Matt McGloin, you know, he's seem like a serviceable, good game manager quarterback. I think we're going to have a great QB advantage with a uh, Cardell Jones, a more dynamic mm-hmm. playmaker. Um, and, you know, to the extent, you know, we're talking about, you know, differences with the XFL. Um, and one thing that was pretty apparent was they're really embracing sports betting. Um, on the broadcast, yeah. I don't know if you saw, but they actually post uh, the over-under, I think the spread at times, you know, just on, mm-hmm. the, on the bottom ticker. So you can actually see, you know, how the game's progressing and kind of where the betting lines are. Um, Last I checked, I think it was yes, as of yesterday, you know, it was a 48 point over under for this game. With, oh, with I, that, that sounds too high. <laughs> I, I, think th- I think that's where they have it. Yeah, but I, I don't know that over is going to be the play there. Yeah, you know, and you know, DC is six and a half point favor, which I'd feel probably more comfortable taking DC uh, to cover that spread. Um, you, know, we're, yeah. you know, we're not gamblers ourselves, but you know, to the extent that folks are interested, you know, I'm kind of discussing trends with, you know, over-unders, you know, who's covering, uh, how frequently, uh, we will make note of it. Um, DC yeah. did cover against the Seattle Dragons. Um, actually, interestingly enough, the under just held on at 50. I believe it was actually at 50.5, oh, yeah. um, which the Dragons actually kicked a field goal to, you know, shore in the lead uh, in the fourth quarter. Exactly. They got taken off the board because they're rolling into a kicker penalty and led to a DC great uh, goal line stand, um, which allowed the under to hold. Um, so folks who did bet the over expecting you know, a high-flying game were probably disappointed with that. Um, that well, we had those one more point chance, remember? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> folks definitely feeling it. You know, it'll be interesting for folks who are you know, accustomed to you know, consistently a touchdown being seven points. 
having to adjust and kind of seeing, you know, which teams are better at converting these, uh, these extra point attempts. Um, that would be interesting to follow. Yeah. And I, I also have to say, I, I think with the league being so new, it's very difficult to project what these games are going to look like. You know, we're still all getting to learn the teams and everything, but I've been impressed by Vegas. I mean, I don't know how they're putting these projections together. Clearly, with all the betting that does go on, I'm sure they put a lot of research into it, but it's also a good indicator of what we can expect and and giving us a preview of these matchups ahead of time. So um, it's going to be interesting. I, I find 48 to be a little high. I think I really like their defense. You know, the Guardians, at least, with everything that Tampa Bay did wrong, they still showed that they're pretty good at defending the red zone. So we'll see if we do it having a high-scoring game. Um, but it's going to be an exciting one, that's for sure. Definitely, yeah. Well, we'll be there. <laughs> exactly. I'm looking forward to it, man. All right, everyone. So that wraps up our first episode. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Uh, we're really enjoying and excited to be to be doing this. Um, as we mentioned at the start of the show, you can reach out to us on Twitter. Um, that's going to be at ShieldsUpCast. You can send us an email at shieldsuppodcast at mail.com or you can reach us on reddit shields up podcast is going to be our username there we look forward to hearing from you guys uh we look forward to doing the show and we really appreciate the support thank you department of defense shields up